Well, good morning, friends. It is uh, podcast number 293. I'm recording this for Tuesday, May 25th. Yesterday, we talked about um, another thing that Jesus did when he came was to create, in a sense, a new family. And we talked about the difference really between this physical family, these names, and and um, and the reality that Jesus was not anti-family when he said, who is my mother, my brother, my sister, right? We're going to look at that scripture today. And that Jesus um, on the cross took care of his mother and his disciple, John, who he loved, and putting John in charge of Mary and putting Mary into another family unit to make sure that she was taken care of. By this time, Joseph was gone. Jesus would be gone. Jesus would be calling his brother James to work. So he called John to take care of Mary. And Paul said to Timothy, a man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. One of the versions says an infidel, someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. Someone who doesn't take care of their family is not someone that Jesus is interested in. But Jesus calls us to love him more than our family and even more than our life. And then when we have a relationship with him, this opens up this new dynamic of loving him and loving others, loving him with everything we have, and then loving others more than ourselves. The reality is that that we need to understand what the scripture says, and we need to take a look at what the scripture says, and, and not what man says about the scripture. Let me say that again. We need to understand what the scripture says, and not what man says about the scripture. Words have meanings. But words need to be in context. And when we look at the scripture, we need to understand that the word um, that was meant at that time is the definition of the word we need to look at. Not what we perceive that word to be. Words can have different meanings, right? Like the word bat, B-A-T. Some of you are baseball players and you immediately um, thought of a baseball bat. And some of you are afraid of those winged creatures who fly and bite you and make you into a vampire, right? Uh, a bat, uh, a night creature, or a baseball bat, a piece of wood or a piece of aluminum used to hit a baseball. So we need to understand context. We need to understand that words really mean uh, things within sentences and sentences and paragraphs and paragraphs on pages. So we need to be careful that we just don't take a word and run with it. Look at uh, Mark chapter 3. As we continue in this um, study of family, let's look at Mark chapter 3. And uh, let's look at verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. They couldn't get inside. The crowds were too big. And the crowd was sitting around him, and he said to, they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And this next couple of verses have been used to call Jesus anti-family, unloving, rude, and uncaring. And he answered them and said, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. He didn't say they weren't his family. He said, what does it mean to be a part of his family? What does it mean to be a mother, a brother, a sister? It is to do the will of God. What was Jesus speaking about? He was speaking not in the physical sense, but he was speaking in the spiritual sense. We, have to, we need to understand that man is separated from God by sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.25, for all have sinned and come short of the glory 
of God. We've come short. How do we come short? We don't line up our lives with his. We've failed. We've sinned. All of us, sinners club, we're all in. And Jesus came to pay a price for our sin, which he did. And then he came to explain what it meant to be a part of his family. Look look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 3 is probably one of the most famous chapters because we have John 3, 16. And, and then we have John 3, 3 here. We have a lot of lot going on in John chapter 3. But let's look at verses 1 through 7. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Pharisee is the called out ones. They, they believed that they were the... Um, they were the rightful protectors of the, the Torah, the word of God, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, by night, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, Nicodemus came by night. He didn't want to lose his place and his authority, and he didn't want to lose his position on something that wasn't worth it, but he was seeking, right? He was seeking answers. And then he doesn't say, uh, I know. He says, we know. So their communication and conversation has been going on about this Jesus and what he was doing. And he says, you're a teacher from God because no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, he doesn't take the flatter. He doesn't take the bait. He doesn't say, oh, thanks so much. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't invite him into the kingdom of God because of his flattery. He didn't invite him into the kingdom of God because he was a righteous and uh, a ruler. If anyone, you would think, would, would have this automatic pass right to the front row, it would be a Pharisee. But Jesus looks beyond his title and his stature. And Jesus looks beyond all of the things his dress, because he would have been dressed a certain way as a Pharisee and as a, as a leader. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was still making it a physical thing to be born again. How can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born again? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is, uh, is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And it's the same for you and I. We cannot come to Jesus in our physical merit, by, by our physical merits, by our titles, by what people say about us. We come to Jesus completely on his terms. Whether you're a religious person, whether you're a person who, who, who works uh, to take care of the homeless, to feed thousands, to travel the world doing, doing things, to help everyone, and everybody goes, oh, look at, look at, look at, look at, he's such a good person. No, Jesus says, unless you're born again. And it's the same for all of us. It's the same for all of us. It's even at the foot of the cross. I can't, I can't get to heaven because I, I have the, uh, the title pastor. No, or teacher. No. My only gift 
my only access to heaven is the gift of, of grace and the gift of his forgiveness. It's not something I've done or earned. People said to me, <laughs> have said to me on many occasions, Gary, Pastor Gary, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I say, no, you don't. You want to be who God's called you to be. You don't know my weaknesses unless they're really obvious. You don't know um, what I go through and what I've gone through to get to this point. But we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Turn to First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 22. First Peter, go to Hebrews and right past Hebrews, you'll find James. And uh, then you're going to find First uh, Peter. And Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, not a truth, not a truth, but the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishables through the living and abiding word of God. What is the only thing that will last? It's the word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the of like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower fails and falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was that was preached to you jesus says everything else is going to fade away but my word will not fade away it's in it's important, it's imperative that we understand that our, our basis for a relationship with Christ is not a church, even though God died to, to, to create the church. Our basis is not a pastor standing from a pulpit, but what the pastor says from the word of God. Those are the things that we can bank on, not words and books about Jesus. Those can add to, but they can also take away. We need to be in the scripture and we need to realize that to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is not based on our family or our heritage or our money or our title. It's based on being born again. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. He says, in order to be a part of the family of God, you need to come to the stone that the builders rejected and you need to come to the stone that, that, that is the foundation of everything and that stone is Jesus Christ. I'll go back to John. Go back to John. And some of you are saying, Gary, why are you explaining salvation to people who are listening to you? Because if they're listening to you, they're probably saved. But we need to understand what true salvation is. We just... We just do. We need to understand what true salvation is. John chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. John chapter 1. He came into his own, verse 11, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And who is the word? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Uh, and the word was God. And the word was with God. And the word was God. 
How do we have a relationship with, with him? We believe in his name. We believe in his name. The only son of the father. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Do we pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps? Do we do we just memorize a bunch of scripture and 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 the light comes on? No. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Ephesians two, eight and nine. Ephesians two, eight and nine. For by grace, underlying grace, you've been saved through faith, underlying faith, and that this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Grace and faith are both. A gift of God. So how do we believe? We believe by, by, by accepting the gift of his grace and the gift of faith, of, his, of the faith. It says every man, to every man is given a measure of faith. He draws us to him. That's his grace. He draws us to him. And then he gives us the faith the faith to believe in him. Jesus is not some out there, otherworldly God who created the world and and leaves it to itself and he runs back off to, to have fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit and he just waits for man to scream and to yell and to, and to beg for him. He says, oh, he failed and I guess I, I, guess I, I need to help him or, or I knew he would fail. No, no, no. Jesus wrapped himself in human flesh and came down to a world that would not, many would not believe in him and they would reject him and they would kill him. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. How far did Jesus take it to reach you and I? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. How far would Jesus go to bring you and I back to him? Hebrews chapter 2, 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He creates this new family by becoming flesh and blood for you and I. Becoming flesh and blood for you and I. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, not did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why did he not count it as something to be grasped? Because he was already God. He didn't have to reach to be God. He was God. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Even death on the cross. What was Jesus' limit? What, what did he, what was he willing to do and not to do? He was willing to do whatever it would take. He was willing to do whatever it take. And he gave his life. He gave his life. 
to create this this brand new group of 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 people called the church. He paid the price to create something incredibly beautiful from something incredibly awesome, uh, uh, awful and gruesome, the cross. That's what he was willing to do for you and I. It says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he says to you and I, you must be born again. And then he brings us into this incredible relationship, not just with him, but with others. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Out of that horrible, terrible, gruesome cross comes life and comes this new new entity called the church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we'll land this thing. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believe were together, together, and had all things in common. I underline things as I ask you to underline them as well. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How were they being added? They were being added because they were being saved. They were just joining They were being saved. And they had all things in common. There were a brand new family unit that was created out of the the blood that flowed from his side. And because of his death and because because of his willingness to humble himself even to the point of death, death on the cross. A new family unit and experience came out of his side and that family is the church. People are so quick today to say, I just go out in the woods and I just go fishing and I just, and I talk to God. That's great. That's great. Your individual time with God is so important, but so is our time together in this new family called the church. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.